Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back. Um, welcome back after a very long time. Uh, I'm podcasting. Uh, am I doing it again? Am I doing it consistently? Like I've said the last 10 to 15 to 20 times, I have no idea. But today we have opinions. We have opinions that can only be verbalized, opinion that can only be expressed through the sound of my voice in front of a microphone and a computer, and something I've missed quite a lot. Um, you know, it's just, it's fun. I, I've had internet problems in the past, whether it was at my parents or the new uh, apartment that I moved into, so I just never really decided to podcast again because it was such an inconvenience to record here, find a specific place outside of where I lived to go upload. Um, but Maybe this is working better now. We'll see. Either way, I have an opinion about a very specific thing in regards to Star Wars, which, well, the title already gives it away. There is a Luke Skywalker problem, and the precedent that it's setting for the future of film, the future of television, the future of you know artistic development is bizarre, strange, baffling, mystifyingly gross. Um, it's are some of the best words to use uh, when to describe this recent episode of the Book of Boba Fett and even dating back to the season two finale of The Mandalorian. Where I'm at with Star Wars is not a good place. I'm not fond of the direction they're heading whatsoever in this very cinematic universe-esque style storytelling. Thanks, Marvel, for that. We really appreciate all your contribution to the art form. Um, but this problem really goes back to, unfortunately, a movie that we're going to talk about forever and ever and ever, uh, The Last Jedi, uh, a movie that I love, bottom line, I think it's fantastic, one of the best blockbusters ever made, one of the best Star Wars films, uh, right there with A New Hope and Empire Strikes Back for me. But since then, since that night it released, it's changed everything. It changed the following film in the sequel trilogy, or the supposed final film in the Skywalker saga, even though we're still getting more Skywalker um, on a week-to-week basis now in stories that aren't even his. But either way, that night changed everything. Um, it changed everything for the I, the IP, the intellectual property. It changed everything for the brand. It changed everything for the internet. It changed everything for at least film discourse. It changed a lot of things. It was a monumental film, not just in you know financial sense, but in terms of you know a communicative sense between each other. So the Luke Skywalker problem really dates back to that night because well, people wanted to not see that version of Luke Skywalker. They wanted a Luke Skywalker who was physically there on crate fighting Kylo Ren and doing super cool things that they always envisioned and, you know, dreamt about their action figures, you know, colliding and blowing up and dueling to the death and doing lots of cool things they read about in books that are no longer a part of the Star Wars lore or universe. So it's constantly being redefined, recontextualized for a newer audience with whoever steps in and decides to direct. The problem um, extends a little bit beyond that in regards to who's running it. I'm not one of these geeks and gamer goons or Kathleen Kennedy should be fired freaks, um, but the direction they're heading is not ideal or great um, in terms of what Star Wars is kind of always known for. Um, I'll get to that a little bit later. But what's interesting too, you know, is The Last Jedi does end with a kids, a a Force-sensitive kid, 
um, sort of looking up at the stars and imagining what being a hero is like and being inspired by the rebellion and being inspired by the heroes that we hear stories about passed around through the galaxy, through the universe. It's an inspiring ending and a very Star Wars-y ending. So yeah, we have grown up at a certain age and played with action figures and talked about you know, our characters doing specific things and meeting other characters they haven't met yet, like Ahsoka Tano, like um, the new Mandalorian character, Din, whatever his name is, Dinner Time, whatever. So, it's fascinating that their response, Disney, was, you know what, maybe we don't need to, I don't know, tell interesting stories anymore. Maybe we should go back to the well that's been harvested from for the last however long and just kind of milk it until it's dry the problem is is that it's dry and they're still trying to milk the cash cow uh the cash cow being luke skywalker because luke skywalker drives attention he drives dialogue he drives discussion because well he's one of the most iconic heroes of all time iconic protagonists of all time because well it's star wars it's luke skywalker he's been around for decades the problem is now is that, you know, I jumped off the Mandalorian train around episode one or two of season two. And the reason being is just because, well, I was kind of over it. I was kind of over the Dave Filoni, John Favreau style storytelling where it's just a lot of, uh, you know what, hey, you remember this very important character from another show that only made sense for that story. We're going to reintroduce them here on a planet that no one can ever seem to get away from. Uh, and just kind of essentially turned Star Wars into a suburbia, turned it into a very confined, very limited space in infinite space, which is super frustrating and mildly fascinating. Um, you've got Cad Bane now, you've got Ahsoka, I'm sure Obi-Wan, Darth Vader, Han Solo, Princess Leia will be showing up at some point because, well, for some reason we need the gaps filled. I'll never forget, and I always say this all the time, you know, as the best example as to why Star Wars is turning into this very weird franchise now, is A New Hope. When Obi-Wan is talking to Luke about the Clone Wars, and I imagine, you know, in 1977 when the film released, everyone said, ooh, what's the Clone Wars? And we can only draw from our imagination based on what Obi-Wan told Luke Skywalker. It drove fascination it drove imagination it inspired us to sort of maybe think wow what was the world white like before a new hope before the empire took over when there was a clone army and not a stormtrooper army now everything's been so visualized and contextualized that it's removed all sense of imagination and thought which what is what drives creativity and so this Luke Skywalker problem where everyone wanted, not everyone, but a, a lot of people wanted to see Luke Skywalker do very cool things in A Last Jedi forced the following film, Rise of Skywalker, to sort of contextualize a lot of that. Ghost Luke Skywalker did Empire Strikes Back Skywalker things. Music swelled at certain moments. Emperor Palpatine came back and actually created... Supreme Leader Snoke for some weird reason. Kylo Ren actually is a hero and he'll be sharing a kiss with the female protagonist Rey just because, well, why not appeal to all fans? But when you appeal to everyone or try to appeal to everyone, you end up pleasing no one. And that's sort of where Star Wars is at right now because 
even with the shows and the direction they seem to be heading, I'll be watching Obi-Wan simply because he's one of my favorite characters, and I'm mildly curious as to what they'll do, even though I kind of have an idea. And the problem is with Star Wars now is that we have an idea. We have an idea of where things are going to go, who's going to be introduced, what's going to be going to happen. Obviously, now with social media and cameras everywhere, being able to sort of document and chronicle the production process and give us an inside scoop as to what will be happening a couple months from now when the next show releases and the next show and the next show and the next show. Either way, that's an issue. Star Wars, you know, has advanced technology at three different stages of film history in the 70s and early 80s late 90s early thousands and even in the sequel trilogy and what they managed to accomplish there in terms of visual effects and sort of ryan johnson essentially doing new things with star wars that hadn't been done before in terms of the visual look style uh tone pace all that stuff so star wars has always pushed technology forward But what it's done is it's always limited itself. It's always done it in moderation, understanding what its capabilities are while understanding that this makes sense for now. Let's kind of pave the way for the future. The problem with Star Wars now is that it's not doing that. What it's doing is jumping the shark. The shark has been leapt over, catapulted, somersaulted, chipmunk flipped, over the shark so many times over in the last, I don't know, year and a half, that now the fans have essentially dictated where the story's going to head because, well, these studios are now listening. They're listening. They're so beholden to what the fans want to see that now all of a sudden their CGI monstrosity recreation of Luke Skywalker has freaked me out. Um, Not freaked me out in a literal sense, but freaked me out in terms of Well, what can film and TV accomplish? Why are they choosing to accomplish it this way? Why does it exist at all? So the issue is that we have an idea of where the story is going because we're essentially writing these stories now because we're on social media often. Studios think they have a firm understanding of what we want to see, but really hollowing it out. And that's essentially what Star Wars has become. It's hollowed out iconography. There's no real understanding of what this iconography means because it's only being attributed in the sense of our perspective. It's not being attributed in a storytelling or narrative sense. That's an issue I had with Spider-Man No Way Home, Ghostbusters Afterlife to a lesser degree but still egregious. And that's kind of the new wave of storytelling in at least these big blockbuster films. There's obviously plenty of films out there being made that aren't doing this like Spencer, the worst person in the world, Dune even, um, kind of going its own route in some regards to that type of story. But why is this the norm? Why are we so accepting of this norm? And and to be fair, it's not being widely accepted. There's a lot of people in my space that don't particularly love it. But this is a response to the people that love it. I understand we all have emotional reactions to certain musical cues, certain faces, certain images, right? Right? All the time. Even when I go back and watch my favorite movies, I respond the same way every time because I have some semblance of familiarity to it because it gave me an emotional reason to react. Star Wars does the same thing. When I saw Empire Strikes Back on the big screen, I got super emotional because it's defined my entire life. And seeing it on the big screen for the very first time, the way it was intended and initially created, changed everything about how I saw that film and what it meant to me. The difference is that I'm going back and watching something that 
has been around for a while that has a narrative reason to make the or has decisions that dictate the narrative. Now what we're seeing with Mandalorian and Book of Boba Fett, which is borderline not even a Boba Fett show, is that they are now just reinstalling these characters in a narrative where they don't really belong, in spaces they don't belong, to try and make sense of these gaps in between episode 6 and 7 and episode 5 and 6 and 4 and 5 and 3 and 4 and 2 and 3. It started with Dave Filoni. And honestly, he's the issue. John Favreau to a lesser degree because I think he's actually a pretty decent storyteller. The problem is is he is just like us and loves being in the sandbox so much that he doesn't understand to close the toy chest every once in a while and figure out how to tell a story with lesser characters. Because now what it's become is the sandbox is wide open, limitless. And the literal sandbox is Tatooine, which is seemingly the only place these characters ever seem to go. And now there's so many characters inserted into one space that it's now become overwhelming. I feel like I should have an emotional response to seeing Luke Skywalker on screen again, but it's a gross response because it's a CGI recreation painted over someone else of Mark Hamill. And Mark Hamill gave his blessing, but Mark Hamill, as we all know, loves catering to the fans. He loves validating the fans. He did it on post-slash-Jedi press tours. He did it pre-Rise of Skywalker release. He loves validating the fans because he, too, is a fan, and that's totally fair. But now it's turned to the point where it's not even a voice actor. It's not even an actor with a deep fake. It's not a de-aged Mark Hamill. It's an algorithm. It's something that was created by a corporation and minds in a think tank to draw from past dialogue that Mark Hamill recorded in books and spinoffs and games and past movies, putting it into an algorithm and letting that character or that algorithm decide how that character is going to speak. Think about that. That's not direction. That's not writing. That's not storytelling. That's not progressing the art. That's devaluing the art of not just Mark Hamill, but devaluing the art of people who costume design, devaluing the art of the people who give speech classes on how to talk, devaluing the art of directors, writers, people who have spent years trying to be creative with little money and kind of erasing it because you have all the money. And that's what Disney's done. They have all this money, but their show looks like garbage. It's written like garbage, directed like garbage, and using an algorithm to resurrect our childhood? We age. Characters should age. Develop. How come we haven't developed? How come we're so beholden to this iconography that we completely fail to allow these characters to grow? Allow different people to step into the role, step into the shoes. Think about some of the most iconic characters of all time, James Bond, Joker, come to mind immediately. Imagine if Pierce Brosnan was the only Bond. We wouldn't get Daniel Craig. We wouldn't have gotten Roger Moore. We wouldn't have gotten Timothy Dalton. Yeah, maybe not everyone loves those performances. But at the same time, it's like we wouldn't have gotten these great performances from other characters, from other actors. 
they got their chance and opportunity to sort of give their spin. Not necessarily their spin, but their take, their performance on, with the character. I think about uh, Dr. Sleep all the time in regards to this because Mike Flanagan in WB could have easily, easily resurrected Jack Nicholson in a DH for Jack Torrance. Shelley Duvall. They could have easily done that. That should have been a shoo-in, and I thought it was going to happen. But while watching Dr. Sleep, it was a new actor in both roles. Yes, they suffered the same consequences and fate as the previous film and book, because it was a sequel to both. But I think about that and think about how it narratively made sense. It doesn't have to make sense to us if it makes sense for the story. That allows us to derive sense from it and apply emotional meaning to it. Mike Flanagan, really solid director and writer. He understands that. All great writers and directors do. Denis Villeneuve, Martin Scorsese. Martin Scorsese had a reason for de-aging De Niro. Was it perfect or great? Not really. But at the same time, it made emotional sense for what he was going for by the end of the film. The problem with a lot of these big-budget Disney shows and movies is that they are just applying meaning to our context. Our context is the only context that matters because that's what they think we want to see. And they're technically right because apparently that is what we want to see because a lot of people are loving it. People are still subscribed, still watching it, and not indicting the studio for making these decisions. And you've got lots and lots of people saying, well, it's actually not that bad. There's lots of business practice and technological practice that is immoral or unethical. Completely downplaying the fact that it is technology that is being used to resurrect people. Even go back and look at Rogue One. Princess Leia made sense at the end of Rogue One. You want to know why? Because, well, I don't know. It's just kind of a neat trick. It was a neat trick to be like, oh, hey, look, young Princess Leia isn't that cool. She was on screen for a millisecond and the movie was over. That For some people, that was our last image of Carrie Fisher before she passed. And there's something a little poetic about that. The problem now is that Luke Skywalker is this character who exists and will continue to exist only through the lens of how we saw him when we were younger and how we wanted to see him post-Return of the Jedi. And that's an issue. So there's a Luke Skywalker problem, not just for Star Wars, but the precedence it's setting for the rest of Hollywood. I wouldn't be surprised if, honestly, the next James Bond wasn't some variation of this. The Broccoli's and Sony Studios seem to have a better understanding of what they want to do with that character, and that's awesome. The problem is, is that James Bond isn't going to be the only person subject to this. Heath Ledger might be the only Joker we ever see again. And I wouldn't be surprised if we saw something like that as well. Some sort of likeness of Heath Ledger's Joker in an animated film, in a live action film, whatever it might be. Matt Reeves seems to be doing something a little bit different with the Batman. But also think about the Batman. Ben Affleck, Robert Pattinson, Michael Keaton, Val Kilmer, Christian Bale. So many different Batman doing different things with Batman. Now, all of a sudden, Luke Skywalker can't be played by a different actor. He's going to be played by Sebastian Stan at some point because, well, these studios clearly monitor the internet and give us exactly what we want. Just think about how a movie like No Way Home was written or Scream 5 even, a movie that I quite liked. 
These movies now are being dictated by everything that we need to see because we've outlined and theorized and built our personalities around intellectual property so that we can see what we want when we pay our $30 to know that we're going to like it just because it validates us instead of spending $15 to $20 to go to the movies without buying popcorn and a drink and seeing something that is different, challenges us, changes our mind about something, maybe validates an emotion but in a sense that we never thought it would. That's what Star Wars was founded on. Star Wars was founded on this idea that with little money you can accomplish wonders, and it did. Now all of a sudden it's been turned into this. I don't particularly understand it. And the only way for me to understand it is to understand that when you have money, you can do whatever you want, get away with it. And this doesn't just apply to a film sense, artistic sense, but legal sense. Money has completely drained any sort of creative thought process for these people that make these shows and movies to make something interesting. And I just don't get it anymore. I don't get why when I have to log on and see that, hey, Luke Skywalker's doing cool things again and it parallels with Yoda, and then you watch the clip or watch a brief portion of the episode and you're like, oh my god. They're using an algorithm for Luke Skywalker. He's talking in callbacks and clickbaity things because we remember them. It doesn't make sense for the story that he's in now. It only makes sense to our story from the time we watched the films on crisscrossed applesauce in front of the television on a VHS or DVD or Blu-ray or 4K, however you first experienced the films. Think about that. It's, it's, it's no longer about what makes sense for the world and the story and the character. It's only what makes sense to us. And I've repeated that or some variation of it a couple times now. But that's what storytelling in big budget films and shows have done. They've damaged so much of the image of the brand because they only want to appeal to us. They're literally doing things that make no sense, no creative sense. They're constantly bringing back these actors that played these characters before and constantly doing callbacks and saying, hey, you remember that stormtrooper that was standing in the back right corner on the battle of, I don't know, whatever, the Death Star 2? He's got a story now. He had an opinion about a character and changed his mind, and now he's helping you out. That's how absurd and ridiculous it's gotten. I love Cad Bane. He's so cool. He's like the only thing I like about Clone Wars. It's an awesome creation. But now it's become so indulgent on Dave Filoni's imagination that you see where it's headed. I don't care if the Book of Boba Fett is doing something like, oh, they're introducing all these cameos because it's a big sprawling cinematic universe and they're all going to team up and have some big battle that leads into the events of Force Awakens, which is what's going to happen. I don't care about that stuff. I care about the precedence that money, big money, big corporate conglomerate, multimedia conglomerate money is doing to the art form. I'm not saying this as a snobby art film guy. I'm getting ready to go watch Moonfall, and hell yeah, I'm getting ready to go watch Moonfall. That's exciting because it's big and it's dumb, but it's different. Is it really? Maybe not. But it's so cool to see someone like Roland Emmerich, who's been around the game for as long as a lot of these other guys that are making movies and appealing to our childhood fantasies, and doing something really dumb and stupid. At the end of the day, Star Wars is kind of dumb and stupid. 
And I say that as someone with Empire Strikes Back as one of my favorite films of all time, Last Jedi and A New Hope. And even Revenge of the Sith, which is an awesome movie. I like a lot of generations of Star Wars. There's a reason to. But what Star Wars has turned into has completely turned me off from any semblance of fandom. Any semblance. I have absolutely zero affinity for anything Star Wars moving forward. There's nothing about it that has piqued my interest, made me excited, or made me think I need to hang out a little bit longer. Will I see Obi-Wan? Yeah. God, I gotta see Obi-Wan. I'm a little bit of a hypocrite, but aren't we all? At the end of the day, though, this Luke Skywalker problem has got to be addressed sooner rather than later. And I think that if we continue to just be passive about it and brush it off our shoulders because, well, hey, we got a little emotional because we saw something that we're familiar with, it's a little upsetting. I just think that we should ask more of art. I think we should ask more of the people making art to not reach for the lowest hanging fruit and shove it in our mouths. I mean, they're essentially grabbing what's been rotting on the base of that tree for decades and then say, here, this is good, eat it. And we say, yeah, sure. When there's perfectly fine, ripe, healthy, clean fruit right above it hanging from the tree right for the pickings. It just doesn't make sense to me anymore. And I guess me verbalizing this over the course of 20 minutes to half an hour is the only way I can because... It just doesn't make sense anymore. And it kind of sucks. So either way, I think it's important that we indict these decisions because I'm sorry, I don't really care if it affected you in a positive way. Maybe that makes me a rude guy or a bad guy. I'm glad that you know, you're know you responding to something in a way that I can't. That's super cool. I'm, I'm, I'm super happy about that. It's awesome that film and the mediums have the ability to do that. But For me personally, it's just when I look at what this means moving forward and what it lays the foundation for, it just I could not care less if it positively reacted to you because I know it's only going to have negative effects on everything else. And to me, that's important because I recognize there's a lot of things that I positively feel towards that have a negative impact around me as well. It's just a matter of recognizing that and not downplaying it. And I think that's what an issue also is, is now that we've been catered to so much or fans have been catered to so much that now it's essentially turned into, well, this positively reinforced and validated me. That can't mean a bad thing. It can, especially through a subjective lens in the scope of film and TV. It's all subjective at the end of the day, but me personally, I hate every single decision they've made with this show. I hate I hate every single decision that started with The Mandalorian, a mediocre, miserable show. And I'm sorry, but I tried, and I tried really hard. I just, as soon as I got to the end of season one and a little bit of season two, I said, this is what it is. I don't like it at all. I'll monitor. My brother's a big fan. I have friends who are big fans. I hear about the show every single week it premieres. So I know everything that's going on. Clips are all over Twitter because I'm very social media active, unfortunately. But at the end of the day, hey, I'm glad for you guys. But I just want to let you know that I think it sucks. And uh, that's all I've got on that. We have a Luke Skywalker problem. Setting a dangerous precedent for the film moving forward. And hey, maybe uh, I'll do more of these impromptu podcasts here in the future. So thanks again. 
or I didn't even say thanks initially. I don't even know why I'm saying thanks again. Thanks for listening. I really appreciate that. Uh, just hanging out, listening to me rant about Star Wars, listening to me rant about my fandom. And um, I hope it inspires you to do something else as well. If you have a different opinion, write about it. Make a video about it. Record yourself on Snapchat, Instagram, TikTok, do whatever. Um, I'm not here to necessarily say that you can't have an opinion. I'm here to maybe challenge you a little bit and think about why you love what you do or reinforce why you don't like what you don't like. Um, so, yeah, just stay tuned. Just keep following me on social media. I have opinions all the time, every day. Some suck, some don't. And that's the beauty of it. So thanks again for listening, guys. I can actually say thanks again this time. I hope to talk to you guys soon. I'll maybe be doing this week to week, bi-weekly. If anything jumps into my head, then I want to verbalize and we'll just go from there. So have a good one. See you in the future. Talk to you in the future and keep enjoying what you're enjoying. Bye.